0: Good early morning to the folks out there in the drifter realm, not far from tomorrow, but too too late for yesterday. Good morning to the travelers who are often utilizing the dark magics, the dark magics we should stay away from. That's where the devil lives. Good morning to you folks who are stragglers in the night, wandering the streets, too strung out on your meth, too strung out on your drinking, and your whoring, and your rock and roll. It's September the 4th, 2020, right around 1.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Friday, 1.37 a.m., as if the minute means anything, the general inaccuracy, the general stupidity, the general madness of the age belies and does not hide, cannot conceal the deformity of the age. First topic, food prices. And oh, by the way, I'm making some changes to my podcast format. I may have to leave SoundCloud at some point. I have a lot of really, really generous listeners. But sadly, I don't have enough. Um, and And it's not really an issue of, is anybody being generous? People that listen to me... Are really generous. It's just that I just haven't gotten traction. And so I haven't quite made budget on everything. Like I paid for my website for another year, but haven't quite made budget on SoundCloud, A. And B, SoundCloud's been kind of a jerky thing. I mean, it's been really expensive for what I get out of it, for the fact that I think they shadow banned me, um, and I can prove it because I have a donor whose account was. Oh my gosh. I mean, I have an email. I have multiple email chains of his account being deleted almost every fucking month, six months in a row or something. It was really stupid. And he was an actual donor. And yet, on SoundCloud today, you'll see these freaking whoredom people, these gross people posting, Would you like to hook up with me, Dan? Would you like to hook up with me, honey? No. No. Would you like to hook up with me, honey, in the darkness of the night? Would you like to date me? Would you like to look into my face and see my jaundiced eyes? Would you like to look into my face and see my jaundiced eyes? Would you like to date me in the middle of the night, honey? Are you looking for a pathway to the edge? Are you looking for some danger? Well, you could try using my bathroom. It's really fucking gross. Strange, strange thoughts, but the first subject deals with food prices. I don't know. (sighs) I don't know what your thoughts are on the food prices. Um, If you're currently getting food at a price level that it's easy to afford, I don't want to go into it. There's a grocery store that I don't want to talk about any longer because I just don't even want to talk about them. Went to to, to that store today, it was expensive, but it's one of these foo-foo expensive grocery stores. So I expected it to be expensive. I shouldn't have gone there. Given my fucking budget, I shouldn't have gone to that fucking PCC. Oh, but you could be a member for like a gorillion dollars. You could be a, a member of PC, PCC for a gorillion dollars. For a gorillion dollars. You can be a member of PCC. And then you can have some woman at the checkout say, Will you please adjust your master? I don't know, lady. Will you do me a favor and look up the statistics on the number of people that have killed themselves since this stupid, big lie, PSYOP pandemic began? Will you do me that favor, Missy? Will you look up that number? Will you look up the number of people that probably died simply because we've been lied to? Simply because you bought into a lie? That, That best case scenario, best case scenario is being used to cover up The biggest fucking burglary, the biggest daytime robbery in the history of the whole fucking world. Quadrillions of dollars are being stolen. And that is the sunny day, blue sky version of the shit that's going on right now. That is the blue sky, sunny day, little birdies singing in your fucking ear. I've got a fucking moonbeam on my shoulder and Jiminy Cricket is shoving a firecracker up my butt crack. That's the best fucking case scenario that this stupid ass COVID psyop is being used to cover up a robbery, a burglary, and quadrillions, meaning thousands of trillions, that's a real number... A thousand trillion is a quadrillion. <sighs> Quadrillions are being stolen, people, in, in dark markets, dark pools, in arbitrages and interest rate interest rate swaps, and good old-fashioned credit default swaps that are really a kind of tontine contract. And don't forget bonds. Because people are still buying bonds in basically bonds that are denominated in fiat currencies connected to governments that are probably going to collapse. This is also very funny. It's funny. Argentina, a few years ago, issued, I think, a hundred year bond. And I don't know anybody with any competency in the world of finance or economics that would look at that and say, that's just not a big, fat, stupid joke. And when they did that, I think that's when I, when I you know, issued my first 10,000-year galaxy bond. The 10,000-year... 10,000-year galaxy bond... backed by the discovery of extra solar planets out there in space, with all that property, all that real estate. case scenario if you believe in the system if you're on a pension if you're on Social Security if you have a lot of wealth denominated in greenbacks the best case scenario is they're going to steal a lot of your money if you're really lucky it'll be like I think it was 1994 but the peso devaluation the overnight 50% decrease in value yeah if you're really fucking lucky, it'll be that soft. that You you lose half of everything. Half of your paper wealth. And if you really think about this, if you currently think your home is worth a million bucks, but that's denominated in currency that is really um, existentially fucking meaningless because it will cease to have value at some point, then you really don't know the value of your home, do you? That's another thing, too, you need to think about. When you think about things like the price of food, which is horrible because it is destructive and atavistic. I don't care who you are. I mean, I'm not a communist, but I don't think it's good to... It's not good for people to starve. If you simply care about not having people running through the streets all crazy and angry, that's that by itself is a really good fucking reason to prevent starvation. That one reason You know, avoid a lot of crazy, angry people. Does that mean we should feed people for free? No. In fact, I think, you know, I'm an anarchist, so I want as much government as zero. But starvation is dangerous. And when people starve, they go crazy and they do angry, dangerous things. So this food price thing, it doesn't really seem like a big deal necessarily. I don't know. But it's something to think about. Yeah, there were some more explosions and gunfire tonight. Yep, there were grunget lords patrolling the streets near 12th and Jefferson. They carried on the battle against the Midnight Kings of yesteryear. They carry a disease called sadness. Yeah, so here's the deal, folks. A year ago, I might hear what would sound like a gunshot maybe a couple times a month. Now, it's more or less pretty much every evening. Later in the evening, I'm hearing what sounds like gunfire and or explosions. And the problem is, understanding sound in the city, folks... um, cities are basically filled with buildings and buildings are made of solid material and that material ca- causes sound waves to to fracture to reflect and so when you listen to a gunshot from let's say a half a mile away you know you might think it's a firecracker but it might be a pistol and if you if you hear a you know uh, a gunshot nearby It might have been a firecracker, but it depends upon how you hear it, from what direction. I mean, if the reality is this, it isn't that easy to always tell the difference between whether something is a gunshot explosion or fireworks in the city if it's happening at a distance. It's why a lot of crooks will use fireworks in the city to distract cops because, well, from a distance... As Beth Midler would say, from a distance, a firecracker sounds like a five five six to a dumbass police, man. I'm kidding, that was mean. That was mean. I don't want to beat up on cops. <coughs> cops are having a hard year. Anywho, um yeah, so there's more of it. So right now it's pretty much every night, and then automatic fire, which I would have heard zero of a year ago. I'm hearing automatic fire, I'm pretty certain it's what I'm hearing. I think a lot of it is AK-47s, um, there's that, there is a difference, I think there's kind of a, I, I want to call it a low note versus high note. I think that 5.56 five, tends to be a high note, whereas 762 by 39 AK tends to be a low note, a lower I think so, but anyways, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, I was an air defense officer, what the fuck do I know? Anyways, it is what it is. Life is what it is. Life was never safe. Life was never safe, folks. Life was never safe. Life was never easy. There was never a time when life was safe and easy. I know that a lot of people who are communists, I know a lot of communists and glungit whores, and crongate freaks, and the people of the street sewer system will tell you that life was once easy, or it could be easy, and everybody could be fed, and there'll never be death, and all sadness will be eradicated, and everybody gets a fucking puppy. But that's not actually reality. I don't like the dark tone of that. I don't like that at all. I don't like the dark tone of that little sch- sclimbii. Anywho, folks, it is what it is. Gunshots, automatic fire. It's fine. Um, you know, I believe in God. I also think that... I, I also believe in causality. I believe in consequences. You know, Jesus Christ is miraculous, and Jesus Christ can change your life. But I would never suggest pretending that Jesus Christ is going to be your bulletproof vest. I I need to repeat that, because yes, Christ can stop a bullet. Guess what? Christ can redirect the weather. Christ can turn day into night. Christ has the power of God. So Christ can do anything and everything. But that doesn't mean that if you go out into the street and you act like a crazy person that somehow, magically, you're not going to get harmed. That was never true. It's never been true. In fact, the only time that was true is when we were in Eden. And I keep reminding people of this. We don't live there anymore. We got kicked out. We were too rowdy. We couldn't obey the rules. Sorry, folks. We did live in Eden, and we were evicted. We were evicted from Eden. So stop. I think we need to stop with the bullshit about life is hard. It is hard. It is hard, and we and we should talk about it, and we should admit it, but let's not pretend it, it was ever really different. Like, right now is particularly bad because... A lot of us were raised to believe that the United States of America was a free country. I was raised to believe that this was a free country. Not a perfect country, not a utopia. But growing up in Mount Vernon, Washington, back in the 70s and 80s, I believed this was a free country. Um, and if I had problems, it was my inability for the most part, to figure out how to make that work for me. And that's okay. In a free society, there's no guarantee that everybody's going to be a success. In fact, probably most people will just have a good life. And what the fuck is wrong with that? Anywho, I'm going to say something. Next item on the fucking list for the Little Saigon Report that is currently being posted to the igloo.luau.com blog, which is currently managed by myself, Daniel John Sullivan, and my friend Jim Davidson as a co-partner in the pursuit of God and freedom. Anywho, next item on the list... The masks are making things more racist. Now, what do I mean by that? You're going to say, Dan, what the hell do you mean? The masks are making things more racist. That's fucking crazy. Here's what I mean. I think that we are being abstracted. I think the mask covers up the part of the face that would tell you a bunch of stuff. Number one... The mask covers up the part of the face that tells you whether someone's smiling or frowning, whether they're happy or sad. And so we don't have emotions. If you have the muzzle on, if you have the mask on, you're an emotionless gumbus freak, that's A. And emotionless gumbus freaks, well, you just load them onto the train, don't you? And they shouldn't complain too hard, not unless they want to get shocked, right? So, the mask covers up your face, it covers up your emotion, it covers up your communication. Oh yeah, you can still talk through it. Although, all that does is impress upon everybody, all the supplicants, the absurdity of it. That the mask itself is pointless. That the mask does nothing, it solves nothing. But it gets worse. Because I would argue that the mask covers up some of the key features to gender, okay? Not all of them, not all of them. The mask currently doesn't cover up the hips or the chest. But that's not everything. I mean, think about this if you're a feminist, okay? And I'm not gonna beat up on feminists, but if you're a person who is opposed to the patriarchy, Think about what that does to the woman because now all of a sudden women are just their boobs and their butts and and the stuff that women don't want to be judged on. Because what does the mask do? The mask basically covers up the face so the person isn't even a fucking person. They're just a doll. And that's not accidental, folks. That kind of dehumanization is not accidental, but it gets worse and worse. (laughs) It gets worse and worse and worse because the mask reduces people to a kind of absolute identity. So so you no longer have you know reliable gender. You no longer have anything reliable about the facial features. All you can really say is maybe old or young, maybe black or white or some color, but you can't say much more than that. But, but ultimately, I would say the mask is making the situation more racist. I think it's driving people down to basic stereotypes. It is not bringing people together. It is absolutely, literally, figuratively, in every symbolic sense, and of course, according to the people who follow Satan, the mask is splitting people apart. It is splitting apart families. It is splitting apart communities. It is causing people to yell at each other. It is causing people to be angry at each other. Whatever you think that mask is for, its purpose is to separate and to abstract out anything that makes you a a human being, a person. It also dehumanizes you to the point that it's not so hard maybe for a cop to shoot you in the head. I mean, if you have to look at a person's face, not just their eyes, not just maybe a bump that you think is their nose, but if you actually have to look at the expression on someone's face, it might not be so easy to pull the trigger and blow someone's brains out during a food riot coming soon. That's what the mask does. Next topic. So a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there was this big fear about nanotechnology and the idea that nanotechnology was going to become a gray goo that would consume everything and reproduce itself and consume everything. And I think that that, I mean, when you think about it, you know, you, you can from a kind of thought process, see how that would work, maybe. Me frank frankly, from my perspective, I think the nanotechnology we should be afraid of already exists and it's called bacteria. And I think bacteria, they're not and they're not our enemies. Like most bacteria, I would say, you know, are our friends, although we treat them like our enemies. But there are bacteria out them that out there that we've kind of helped create, especially in hospitals, that are extraordinarily dangerous, extraordinarily deadly, like flesh-eating bacteria, for example. You know, like MRSA. So, um, the nanotechnology threat, I think, is a little bit overdone for the simple fact that there already is one. And I don't think we understand the full window of possibilities for bacteria. Because we've learned a lot. Bacteria can break down a lot of materials. So one could imagine a bacteria that becomes so good at just breaking shit down that it behaves exactly like the gray goo. It just breaks down everybody, liquefies everything. Also, fungus are very good at doing this. They're very good at liquefying and breaking down their host and turning their host into food and making more fungus more spores. So the gray goo thing I think is overdone, but here's the other thing I want to talk about with respect to the fear of -of out-of-control nanotechnology. (laughs) Yeah, here's the other thing with respect to out-of-control nanotechnology. Respect to out of control nanotechnology, what if it's not about gray goo? What if it's not about gray goo? Okay, for nanotech, what if the reality is the real fear? I, I I was talking to Jim about hyperstructures, and and a hyperstructure is basically an object so big that you would compare it to the size of a solar system, and. You know, a lot of people talk about fusion energy and free energy and that's those are all really wonderful conversations. But imagine taking all the material in your solar system and using it to build essentially the shell and the structure of a gigantic starship and you're going to basically use your sun as the engine, as the core engine, as the thing that powers it. Now all of a sudden you've got these freaking starships that are you know solar system scale and they're probably capable of getting to other solar systems where they end up doing the same fucking shit they end up appropriating the solar system into another starship and here's the thing i'm trying to say one way to do this would be to use von neumann machines or or nanotech to use self-replicating machines to repurpose the solar system. This is, this is a lot like, you know, think of, um, think of coral, the way coral works. Coral, you know, leaves behind a calcium shell that becomes a real material as, you know, very solid material. Like you can, you can cut coral into stone shaped blocks and use coral to build things. So coral does that, but it's a living thing that does that. It deposits that material as it grows as it changes, as it lives. So in this particular example, you have to imagine the this nanotech or these von Neumann machines essentially behaving like that, that they leave behind. Even their waste product essentially becomes part of the shell of the starship itself. Now, if you think of this as sort of a geometric problem, like at what point do you reach Fifty percent of the solar system being infected with the, with these von Neumann machines. I think you can kind of th- you can kind of conceive, I think, mentally and mathematically, that if you had such a machine, a self-replicating machine, and that's the key, folks. These machines can make copies of themselves, so it's not just that they're building the superstarship starship around the, the the central sun but they're, at, they're also making extra copies of themselves. So this becomes a geometric growth problem and, and, and a really good one in favor of the person that wants to basically build what I'm not, I'm now calling not a Dyson hot rod, but a Dyson starship. And a Dyson starship is referenced to um, Freeman Dyson, who is a famous scientist. He, he is famous for a lot of things with respect to astrophysics and astronomy. He proposed that advanced civilizations might repurpose this, the material within the solar disk or within the orbit orbital structure of a sun, repurpose all the planets and everything to build a giant spear that would wrap around the sun. And people could theoretically live on the inside of the spear and stuff, stuff like that. I don't know. Anywho, there have been a lot of science fiction writers, um, Jim Jim knows them well, who have written on this, But I'm not going to talk about Dyson Spears or Dyson Hot Rods. I'm talking about Dyson Starships. In my humble opinion, given the real um, stumbling blocks with respect to fusion energy, and there have been real stumbling blocks, we should not minimize the difficulties of getting past break-even, either with the spherical reactor that the French use, that they experiment with, or using the toroidal reactors, or using laser pumping. All of the techniques they use, even proposed helium-3, it's not a sure thing that we can make this work. But what we do know is that the Sun is a giant fusion reactor that's going to be functional for at least another you know, half a billion years, which is way outside the envelope of the human lifespan and or genetic lifespan or even the species lifespan. Essentially a, lo- a long enough period of time that if that's what you cared about. Like I'm a Christian, so that's not what I care about. I don't care about a giant starship that could be, you know, traipsing around the fucking universe for half a billion years. Although that does sound like a pretty cool fucking novel. But I think these things are going to be warships. And I think they will be the size of, you know, stars and superstars. I think they'll be gigantic. They'll probably be twice the size of the star that they encapsulate at least. And so, and and they might end up only having an IR signature like proposed brown dwarfs. Like it might be only through infrared that we detect them. So this is what's really creepy. If we're not really looking, one of these motherfuckers could show up. And the thing is, it would be so catastrophic if, the, if one of these things simply zoomed by. If all it did was zoom by at like 50% the speed of light, the gravitational waves alone would probably put the Earth into a catastrophic orbit. Just the gravitational waves alone, the disruption... Of a fucking solar system-sized spaceship, all that mass going by at potentially 50% the speed of light, because I think you can get to that um, easily enough with a with a, with a system like that. Yeah, that would th- that by itself would be the super weapon. The super weapon would be simply it'd be like think you're in a imagine you're in a tiny little rowboat, and you're on and you're out at you're out on the water and you're barely keeping the water out, but you are. And then a big giant yacht comes by and creates waves. Um, that's kind of like it. Not the same, but similar. In the sense that, yeah, you're not really prepared for this. And and we would not be prepared. That type of event would probably be an extinction-level event to end all extinction-level events. Because it would probably knock the Earth out of its orbit. It would shake up the whole solar system. Um so I'm not really afraid of gray goo, but I think I might I think I may have come up with a legitimate sort of rational fear if you believe in aliens, if you believe that they can advance like us because the the reality is this, repurposing your your son is probably way easier and it's probably way easier to do that. As crazy as it sounds. It's probably easier to repurpose your son than it is to build some magical super starship. It probably is. Like, I think we may be way underestimating the difficulty of building these starships, but what if you repurpose your sun into the engine that powers a starship, then all of a sudden you have control over your destiny. Like, we're not just a solar system drifting around the disk of the, um, the galaxy. All of a sudden we can go anywhere we want to in the galaxy. You know, and I was joking with Jim that, you know, we could also go to the edge of the universe. And of course I know that the photonic edge of the universe represents a distance that light has traveled since the beginning. So if Einstein's right, you can never get to the edge. But what if we, dis- we, d- we discovered faster than light travel? Then all of a sudden, this giant solar system-sized starship warship is capable of faster than light travel, in theory you could cruise to the en- end of the universe and beyond it, in theory, if you can go faster than the speed of light. You'd have to go way faster, but you got a fucking sun. You have a whole star to power you for a half a billion years. I would figure that's plenty of time at faster than light speeds. I would say so. Anyways, I know that's a weird thing to talk about, but can you imagine that though? Like waking up one day and they say, folks, first what they're going to say is there's some rogue object. That's what they'll say first. There's a rogue object. There's a rogue object moving through the solar system. And then they'll maybe figure out it's actually under control. And the other possibility is the thing just stops. Basically, it doesn't, it doesn't coast by and disrupt the solar disk or the fucking the, the, the standard orbits or whatever. It doesn't go by and disrupt the whole solar system. It just sort of parks itself way out there and then reveals itself all of a sudden. You know, if there's as much ice in interstellar space as they think there is, this makes even more sense, because you can build these things durable, but the ice itself can be collected and, and melted, essentially. That's the other thing, too. Your force field is also potentially the thing powering your ship. Um, you can use the energy of that captured sun to basically eliminate the threat of giant chunks of ice and other things. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but the point is you got a lot of energy to play with. You could probably generate a very strong magnetic field and just push shit away. But you you also have all that ice to use if you want to use it so you can collect it. You could probably have super oceans. You could probably have artificial super oceans that are a hundred to a thousand times bigger and deeper than our oceans. These are things you could do if you repurposed your whole solar system to build a starship powered by the sun of your own solar system. And then if you keep thinking bigger, you can collect up suns and other um, interstellar bodies. I can imagine collecting a black hole because I can imagine that being part of the solution to the problem of how would you get this thing to go faster than the speed of light. And so instead of, well, we have to build a hyperdrive. No, you don't. You just have to capture a black hole. (laughs) Although I can imagine that going very badly. Like I can imagine we're going to capture a black hole, but it could end up being a lot like, you know, Moby Dick. Because I think, yeah. So anyways. (sighs) Yeah. Let's just move on. That's a ridiculous fear. And the other thing is, too, outer space might be there. It might not be there. I've never been to outer space. I've been wanting to travel to Mars for over 55 million clen. A clan is a measure of time that is immeasurable. I want to travel to Mars. Yeah, I want to travel to Mars or something. No I'm kidding I don't get I don't want to go to Mars. Next topic. You can make things out of mashed up ants, dried mashed up ants. I think this is probably true. I was going to talk about Christians and the government and how a lot of Christians will cite Romans and say, well, look at Romans and therefore we should obey the Caesars. And I, I don't think that's a right, I don't think that's a correct interpretation, but I'm still kind of on the road and I'm not an expert. So I'll just, I don't want to go too deep into those waters. Um, Audio is more dangerous than video. I think that's true. But that's mainly because it activates your brain in a way that video doesn't. Now, I'm not saying video is bad. It's just that it's sort of it is like what McLuhan said, you know, it's a question of which one is really turning your brain on. And audio really does turn your brain on when compared to like, you know, TV, right? That's enough of that. I had a quote about anarchism and Christianity, and I, I can I can read it. I can, you know, here it is. I didn't come to Jesus or anarchism through deep study, though I have read a few books. Nope. And I have, I've read a lot of books, folks. I'm not stupid. I've read a ton of books. I came to anarchism mostly because I was tired of being harmed, you know, harmed, you know, by the the world we built this tyranny. And also, I didn't want to harm others. And currently, the way the system works, you end up basically doing one or both. Harm, being harmed, harming others, or both. And it just sucks. And I came to Christ because I was tired of being lied to. And this one, this one strikes people. He's like, well, what do you mean? Well, it's really quite simple. All of the um, explanations I've been given, the secular worldview almost all of them just no longer make any fucking sense. It's not to say that it's all crap. It's just that a lot of it doesn't quite work. It's sort of like the myth of progress. You know, we've been led to believe that progress is a kind of infinite line. And, you know, Ray Kurzweil will quote von Neumann and talk about the singularity, blah, blah, blah. But when I look around Little Saigon, when I look around Seattle, I don't see that. I don't see moving forward. I joked on Twitter the other day that the quality of phone calls, the audio quality of phone calls, has been getting worse. How is that progress? Now I'm pretty convinced this is because of the spying. Like I, I'm, I, I actually do think it's related to the fact that yes, they're spying on us all the time, and I think that's true. And I think they've gained a sophisticated level of control. And what we're beginning to notice in these phone calls is the level of control. And when I say sophisticated, I don't necessarily mean smart. I just mean they're gaining a very deep level of control. And with the 5G rollout, they're going to want even more control. Which also means I may not have a phone in a few months. Welcome to 2020. No, I came to Christ because I was tired of being lied to. I became an anarchist because I didn't want to hurt other people. I did not want to be hurt. And I came to Christ because I was tired of being lied to. And I think we're pretty close to the end here, but I think I have a few more things. Um, Something about beauty and the sublime. I don't know if I want to do anything with that right now. I had a memory from 1988 where I got sick on wine coolers. I was I was in Ellensburg. I think it could have been the rodeo or the Kittitas County Fair. A friend of mine was doing a powerlifting thing. And we were, you know, we'd all rented up a hotel room. It was, you know, the summer we graduated from high school. And it wasn't legal to drink, but fuck if we cared in Washington State in 1988. Or at least you'd think that'd be the case. And they had these two liters of Bartles and James wine coolers. And they're so gross. To this day, I don't even know if they sell Bartles and James any longer, nor do I think they should. I I really am not... I am I'm sort of almost opposed. I am opposed to Bartles and James being sold. But yeah, I remember getting sick on that nasty shit. And you know, let's also talk about that too. Because it's a lot like the camel wides. If you're old enough, you might remember that camel cigarettes did this thing with these wide cigarettes. And everybody could everybody knew. Everybody could tell. It was not. It was not something well-hidden that this was appealing to kids. You know, it was appealing to young, to young people, people under the age of 18. And so it wasn't really that big of, of, of a mystery that Camel's marketing was marketing to, um, to kids. The Camel Wides. I bought one pack of those a long time ago when I was a smoker, way back in the, like the early 90s or something. Maybe late '80s, I think early '90s. Actually, gross. Camel wides were gross. I I have become a smoker again at various points in recent years, and when I do, I smoke American American Spirit, and um. And I have to say, it's probably one of the least terrible of all the cigarettes I've smoked. American Spirit cigarettes, but I don't really smoke. Um, Unless I get into a really bad place where I'm willing to get over that hump that first week where it's just plain gross. So I don't really smoke right now. Um, And it, it would involve going outside a lot. That's the other thing too. I would have to be going outside a lot and I just... It's terrible, but I don't really love going out anyways. Anyways, the point I'm trying to make is that these wine coolers were really designed for kids. I mean, they were designed and marketed... For fucking high school kids who want to get drunk and oh it's tasty and it's sugary and it tastes like candy and oh yeah it'll get you fucking drunk it's a wine cooler i don't know and i listen folks i'm no communist i'm not opposed to people making a buck i just think sometimes people should think about how they make a buck it's just my opinion my friends actually caught me on VHS tape on that trip, getting wickedly, wickedly, wickedly sick with like my pants down underneath my butt and my butt crack showing. And I wish I could find that tape. I really do. It's, you're probably thinking that's crazy, Dan. You know, you, oh, why? No, why? Because you want to burn it. No, I would want to put it on YouTube. I would want to get that fucking tape and put it on YouTube. It's One of the funniest, stupidest, absurd memories of my youth. It was pointless and stupid. Guess what? That's part of being young. Now, when you get to be my age, if you're still kind of stupid and risky and pointless and crazy, which sometimes I am, unruly, then you're going to run into some problems. Because then you become the scary old dude. Yep. The scary old dude that lives down the street The scary old dude named scary old Pete. Scary old Pete had a scary old dog. That scary old dog was named Cog. Cog would bark at you at night. Cog would chase you down the road. Cog would organize coyote armies. Cog would hunt you for food. Cog was not your friend. Scary old Pete, he's not so neat. Scary old Pete, that's what you end up as if you don't eat your vegetables. Careful about scary old Pete. Yeah. Next topic deals with frustration and anger and the fact that people in relationships will sometimes harm each other. Um, They will. People harm each other. You know, that happens. You hope that they don't do anything too severe, you hope that it's just a bad word or, you know, something like that. But the reality is people harm each other in relationships out of frustration, out of lack of communication, or even just maybe the fact they shouldn't be together. I really don't know. But the thing I guess I would say is remember that you can apologize. Remember that you can talk about it. And remember that a hug can help a lot. Hugs don't cure everything. Hugs don't cure spousal abuse. I'm sorry. If you have a spouse that's harming you, you need to get out of that situation. If you are a a parent with children in that situation, you need to get your kids and yourself out of that situation, okay? Hugs don't help with that. But with stuff that's like, maybe the husband's drinking too many beers, or maybe the mom is, or the, the wife is, I mean, and maybe, you know, my girlfriend or my boyfriend is too disconnected, and maybe... You know, this or that. You know what? Talk about it. If you're mean to somebody, and, and you really notice that you're responsible, apologize, talk about it, and then, you know what? Hug it out. That's it. That was my wisdom bullshit. On to the next one, a friend of mine who will remain unnamed, although such encryption is pointless at this point. A friend of mine recommended that for our next podcast, we talk about the movie Ad Astra. And just as full disclosure, this friend of mine's a really smart dude. He's a really smart guy. You know, he's the kind of person that in a free world, I would love to go into business with. If if there was a world where things like having a business, you know, um, I don't know. If there's a world where having a business exists, where going into business and being successful and making money exists, he's somebody I'd want to do it with, I think. Um, I have a couple people I know that if that world existed, I'd want to work with. The problem is it doesn't really exist right now. You know, it doesn't really exist right now. So like whether it's, you know, my friend Jim or other people like him, these are people I would love to be able to succeed with. But the way things work right now, it just doesn't work. I don't have it in me to jump onto the bayonets. And the problem is, is that a lot of stuff right now, especially in the freedom community, is almost 100% sweat capital. And so it's just, it's just, it's just a reality of I just don't have the faith to do it. You know, I don't have the faith. It's not the question of energy or intelligence. I simply don't have the faith in it. I I don't believe that my problems, my main problems, are going to involve computers a year from now. But I could be wrong. You never know. You never know, and I kind of hope I am. Um, anyways, this is a really cool dude. I have a lot of cool friends in my life. He is one of the persons, along with family people I know, that in a free world, I would love to go into business with. There's the boilerplate. Nobody gets offended. And he said... Have you seen the movie Ad Astra? And it was like, okay, he's a smart guy, but it's like, I'm going to be a smartass. And I said, yeah, when I was a kid, it was called Apocalypse Now. If you've not seen the movie Ad Astra, but you have seen the movie Apocalypse Now... You've seen the movie at Astra. It's the same stupid fucking movie. Almost every single shot has a corollary. It really does. And it's really stupid. And yeah, there's some little differences, but the differences are annoyingly stupid too. So even where it doesn't seem like exactly the same fucking movie, it's still exactly the same fucking movie. It is ridiculous. If you can imagine, instead of a fucking naval patrol boat, you know, like in Apocalypse Now, instead of a naval patrol boat, you're going on a rocket ship to the edge of the fucking solar system. That's the only fucking difference, really. The rest is the same stupid bullshit. And it's so stupid and so sandwiched, like the fucking fight scenes on the moon. Well, that was clearly a tip-your-fucking-hat bullshit to the Robert Duvall, we'll get you, we'll get your boat up the river bullshit. That was exactly and precisely that. That's exactly what that was. Ad Astra. What a fucking ripoff. And it's just plain, you know what, Um, what's his name? Fucking... Anyways, I can't think of his name right now. I probably will in a second. I just don't really care enough, I think, to care. Um, but anyways, the old dude. I prefer I prefer Marlon Brando. Oh, I prefer Marlon Brando to this other old dude. I just did not like that. And fucking, listen, Brad Pitt. Ugh. Um, oh. You're no Martin Sheen. You're really, you're really not a Martin Sheen. You're not. I mean, I like Brad Pitt. He's okay, but he's no Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen, I think, did a really great job in Apocalypse Now. Um, I think he captured something that people who've been in the military and been around people with PTSD, I think he captured something that, that, that looks realistic. That you run into that. You run into that kind of crazy when people have been in combat too long. And that's one of the cool things about Apocalypse Now is it deals with this issue of PTSD in the context of warfare that very few war movies um, do throughout film history. A lot try to, but it it usually ends up being a little bit cursory. I would say Deer Hunter... um, And Christopher Walken's performance in Deer Hunter and De Niro's performance in Deer Hunter. Those are powerful scenes with respect to dealing with PTSD in the context of the Vietnam War. So just as a mention, as an aside. Um, But Apocalypse Now sort of integrates it into into the story itself. It's like when you get to the fucking bridge, you've got those soldiers that have been in combat so long, they're crazy. Like the guy with the fucking the fucking M, I think what M two o three or the fucking grenade launcher, he's like, oh, you know, do do I need to shoot a flare? No, you don't need to shoot a flare. I can hear him, and he pops off a grenade round, and then he ends up killing the freaking Viet Cong dude who's going fuck you, GI, and he's a boom. So, anyways, PTSD is kind of an important element in Apocalypse Now, and in Ad Astra. It also is, is an element. It is a part of Ad Astra. The whole, you know, what space does to people. Like somehow being on the moon makes people moon crazy. Being on the moon makes you moon crazy. Robert Heinlein knew about this. The moon is the harsh mistress. You put your prisoners there, they're going to get angry. Moon crazy. Moon madness. because it's so much like Apocalypse Now, but just not as good. And here's the other thing too. It's not like Apocalypse Now is my favorite, favorite movie of all time. It really isn't. It's a good movie if you're in a certain frame of reference. It's almost like (sighs) if you're really in a dark place and you don't have any weed or beer, but you do have whiskey and cigarettes and you, you're just really angry and pissed off at somebody. putting an apocalypse now is probably almost a soothing experience. It's a weird you have to be in a weird place to appreciate that movie. It, it, it really isn't the most violent movie of all time. It is not. It's just that there is this unrelenting pressure that you don't really get any release until the end and it and it is if, if you haven't read The Heart of Darkness, um, and, and that's really what it's based on. So if you haven't actually read the heart of dark, the heart of darkness, then a lot of it would would be basically a new storyline for you, I guess. But yeah, anywho, yeah, Joseph Conrad, Heart of Darkness. If you haven't read the Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad, then you would not know what both Ad Astra and frickin' apocalypse now are based on they're based on the heart of darkness and yeah so i would say in this particular situation that i prefer apocalypse now but i am but the reason why this is going to be a fun topic is how much there is to tear tear up i haven't even really started like i need to end this podcast right now i'm gonna scroll down here you know oh there's another topic i want to talk about before i go Last topic is critical. Last topic's critical. So there are a lot of people who follow me on Twitter and a lot of people... Not a lot. Let's be honest. There's about a couple people that watch my videos or listen to my podcast. For all three or four of you out there who listen or read my tweets who are actual human beings... um. Some of you are like preppers. You have property. You have ranches. Some of you have ranches out in the middle of nowhere. And God bless you. That's smart. But I was thinking yesterday as I dealt... Well, no, it was this morning. No, it was yesterday now. Yesterday once more. Thank you, carpenters, right? Anywho. I was thinking about the carpenters yesterday once more as I was at the PCC with that really, really rude checkout lady. And it occurred to me... That in a few years there's gonna be people showing up at your ranch. I know, I know, you guys all think, oh, everyone's gonna die in the city. No. A lot of people are gonna die in the city. The ones that will be left over, I gotta be honest with you, they're probably gonna be a lot like the checkout girl, because the people that end up surviving in the city are gonna be two-faced, backstabbing scumbags. I, I really do think it, it'll, it'll become a monstrous place once things fall apart. So the question you need to ask yourself is, when would you rather pick and choose the person that's going to live in the barn and dig your ditches? Would you prefer to do that after the cities have boiled down to the meanest and cruelest motherfuckers for the most part? Or would you prefer it before that happens so you could actually pick people who won't stab you in the back? I'm throwing that out there, not because I have to have a place to live, but because I think people should should consider that. Like, if I had a thousand acres, okay, which is a lot, let's say I had a thousand acres, I would probably try to get some people to that land. I would open it up, I would try to do that, because it is a survival strategy. It is a way of not dying. And I would rather know those people, almost like interview them, like say, hey. Here's your job. You're going to get some land. I expect you to obey the non-aggression principle. Um, For the land, if you're producing something, I wouldn't mind you donating back what you produce. But I just pretty much want you to take care of yourself and be decent to the land and decent to each other and obey the non-aggression principle. And if you're Christians, then God bless. That's great, too. If I had property where I suspected that at some point I would have a border, you know, a border or a person there, an extra person there living, I'd probably be planning that right now. Right now is when you need to be doing that because in a few weeks, a few months, phone calls, emails, think about it. Which would you rather do? Have people randomly show up and then hope you can trust one of them to give them a gun? Because what you're talking about too is potentially arming people who are going to help defend what you have. That's also a factor. I know there are people out there who think that, you know, by themselves with a carbine and 10,000 rounds, they can take on what's coming, but you can't. Not that way. But what you can do is have people you trust and defend yourselves utilizing multiple people with rifles. You can do that. that. That at least has a chance in hell of working. That at least could work. And if you're lucky enough that you've already done this, God bless you. That means you're way ahead of the game. If you don't have that kind of cohesive community yet where you can trust people in that way to set up mutual, to set up mutual defense networks, then you have a long ways to go. And if you're in the city like me, <laughs> you're probably dead. At, at some point, at some point, one of these communists is going to decide to like say, hey, there's a dude. He looks like he's guilty of crimes or whatever. Let's kill him. At some point, I think it will get that bad. Or at least that looks like what they want it, they want to have happen. Me, personally, I think the race war bullshit is race war bullshit. I don't think people hate each other that way, for the most part, any longer. Are there racists out there? Yes. Are there crappy-headed racists out there who make decisions based upon the color of your skin or your ethnicity? Folks, I ran into something like that in 2007. I've spoken about it before. I was at a lunch meeting with some fairly high-up people from a major hospital system. And one of their sales um, executives was there. And he said, you know, he asked me, um, aren't you Irish? And I said, yes, I'm Irish. And he said, oh, and you're a computer programmer? Yeah, I'm Irish, and I program computers. I should be a lawyer or a crook or a hack or a cop. Priest. I'm Irish. I'm Irish, yeah. So, are there stupid people that say stupid shit? Like, hey, you're Irish, so how can you program computers? that was 2007 motherfuckers and this and i'm not going to name names but all i'm going to tell you is if i name the hospital I'll, I'll tell you this it was it happened at the detroit athletic club it was october 2007 might have been september i think it was early october actually it was right before i drove back to seattle once fucking again after so many times in my life i'd shake my fist and say i'm never coming back to seattle Yeah, right before that, anywho. Racism is real, it exists, so is sexism. There are people that hate women because they're women. I do not. I do get very close to the misogyny sexist universe sometimes. I've come to realize that maybe I do cross the line, especially when it comes to references to gross stuff, specifically male and female anatomy. But I'm also trying to be a Christian minister, so there's reason to believe I shouldn't be doing that much of that stuff anywho. And and I've got some work I've got some work to do. I've got some work to do as a Christian. Isn't that interesting? I got work to do, work to do. No, if you're out there in the middle of nowhere by yourself and you have the resources to have people come and live there. Instead of hoping and praying that the first people that show up randomly are people you can trust, why don't you investigate your trust network right now, as in yesterday? Because right now, you can still communicate with people. Right now, you could, you could still set up a system of communication where you exchange encrypted emails, where at least you have a level of privacy that would allow you to coordinate in a sophisticated way so if you had uh, you know let's say a thousand acres and you could theoretically parcel it out for people to farm and homestead to be part of a mini community but a mini community of mutual defense as well then you should probably find people you can trust which is not that easy to do this is one of those things that i you know it's funny it's going to be one of the themes of um in fact, I need to make a note of this right now. I feel like I need to make a note of this right now before I end the freaking podcast. But um, one of the themes of an upcoming service is going to deal with this question of the stranger. And, you know, who is the stranger? Who is the stranger to you? Who is the stranger to me? Who is this other person? Um, how do we, How do we manage that? How do we mediate the question of my role as a Christian vis-a-vis the stranger? I'm going to drink a little water here. And then if you give me a second, while I do something fantastical, I'm going to edit something because I want to add something as the next theme. Next Sunday theme. Let's do it. Dan, that's annoying. You should just do it and pause the sound or something. I will do what I do until the good Lord takes me home. The stranger. Yeah, it seems like... Well, Dan, why would the stranger be a theme? Um, Dan, why would the stranger be a theme for some kind of freaking Christian service? That sounds cray-cray. Well, here's what I mean. I mean, at some point in the future, I wanna talk about the fact that the Bible and God, they give us a message that can appear ambiguous, but it's really not. Jesus Christ wants us to have open hearts and wants us to be charitable and wants us to be willing to help people in need. But he also, I think, wants us to be smart about it. You know, it's like my friend Jim once said, he said he'll pick up someone along the side of the road if they're actually walking down the road. He wouldn't just pick somebody up that had a sign that said please give me a ride to Phoenix. He said the person had to be walking down the road and maybe not even actively seeking help. And that's the person Jim would want to help. And at the and I got to tell you something. Jim and I had a really tough year when we first met and I take You know, as I've told him, at least half the responsibility for that. That was one of the things I didn't understand at the time. Like, to me, I didn't understand picking up strangers in in 2017. I didn't get it. It was like I was in the space of fear. Looking back, I'm kind of ashamed. You know, when I think back to that attitude I had, you know, why are we picking up a homeless dude? Why are we doing that? We have we have a problem we need to solve. We have this business we want to build. Why are we doing this? This seems to be a distraction. This seems to be something causing stress. Looking back, I'm kind of ashamed. Um So here's the thing, folks. If you're out there in the middle of nowhere right now and you have, you know, a farm, and you have the resources and you're thinking to yourself, well, at some point I may have to take people in, my advice would be start thinking about solving that problem right now. And and that would be my advice. Because at some point, you're just not gonna have the choice. It, the people that will be left will not be the choices of the choice in terms of people you can trust. They're gonna be the ones that survive the gauntlet of pain and suffering and thug armies and commie mind control cult bullshit, they're gonna be they're gonna be a lot of broken people with really severe PTSD. Like we're talking ad Astra plus apocalypse now, throw in a little deer hunter. That's the reality. They're gonna be people that have been broken by the world a little. So And I'm not saying don't be open to that. I'm not saying close your heart. No, that's not the message of Christ. So it would be wrong for me to have that be my message. It's more like be smart. It's like Jim picking up the man walking down the road versus picking up the man who's just sitting there. Looking back, I look at that and I think, yeah, that's kind of like, that's wisdom. That's smart. That is basically using your head. What I am telling you guys is if you want to be charitable and help your fellow man, you need to be smart about it. Because if you if you live in the world where you believe that the people that randomly show up at your place are going to be like the magnificent, the magnificent Seven, and they're going to be honorable and true, and they're not going to take advantage, and they're not going to have PTSD, and they're not going to have radiation illness, and they're not going to be covered in all kinds of freaking parasites and crap or whatever... If you really believe that you're going to end up with essentially the seven samurai who sit gracefully in little tents outside and then periodically wander forth to bring you the fruit of the land or to fight off your enemies, I think you're living in a fantasy world. You're going to end up with a lot of people who show up at your door who are going to need help. Best case scenario, they're going to need help. They're not going to have a lot of energy to help you. They're going to need help, and maybe they can do a job for you after they've been given a meal, basically. That's the best-case scenario. But, but, folks, a lot of people will be victimizing each other. You think that's done? You think because the government goes away that suddenly people will become nice? I think a lot of people, if allowed to be free, will be nice. But a lot of people in the cities have really become accustomed to a, a kind of a terrible, victimizing, self-harm police state existence. So there you go. This is my last thought of the night for the Little Saigon report, for this report, but technically the morning, because it's almost 3 a.m. Can you believe, folks, how time flies when you're talking about the microspherical universe or the transcendental von Neumann ship? Would you travel in a... Dyson warship with me? Would you wage war against the Scumbiak folk of ancient times? We would have to travel at over 700 times the speed of light. We would have to wrap ourselves around the universe traveling within the sphere of impossible control. We will be the people that avoid the asteroids. We will be the people that lay waste to all the flimbic realm, all the people of the the jungles and the swamps. We will lay waste to the oceans and the giant mountains and the giant trees. We will wage war against the parrot kings. When the wailing widows are done screaming, and when the smoke clears, and when the land is laid bare to be filled with craters of bombs exploded and unexploded, when all the rats have brought away the flesh, and all the thieves have stolen all the stuff, and nothing is left but the bones, you can look out into that world and say to yourself, Oh gee, Dan, I wish I had a torpedo mind, but instead... I have disco jeans. I wish I had a torpedo mind, but instead I have peanut peanut butter daydreams. I've got peanut butter daydreams. It is almost 3 a.m. Pacific Standard Time in Seattle, Washington. It is almost 3 a.m. Pacific Standard Time in Seattle, Washington. It is almost 3 a.m. Pacific Standard Time in Seattle, Washington. And there are people you know that are currently asleep. Asleep and they're dreaming. They're dreaming the dreams of the ancient times. There are people you know across the way, across the street. There are people you know that live deep underground. People you know. They're sleeping at 3 a.m. It's 3 a.m. Pacific Standard Time in Seattle. the commie fire starters are asleep. tell you folks but to say it is 3 a.m. in Seattle Pacific Standard Time September the 4th 2020 we're not dead yet there's still life out there and if you're asking yourself is there a whiskey dream or a peanut butter nightmare is there a wandering dolphin or an ancient whale that's going to come to your door knock 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 and tell you a tale that will wisp you away on the gossamer wings of the impossibilicus? I have no fucking idea. I don't. I don't know. You can travel as a free soul in this world or you can be imprisoned. I have been both. I have been a prison of my own... F- I have been a prisoner of my own fears and I have also been um, the Count of Monte Cristo. I have been both. We are often both. We are often prisoners of our fears, and we are often the person who breaks out of prison, who breaks out of the dungeon, that breaks out and escapes and reinvents themselves, and then comes back and says, Aha! hum. Look at me. It's 3 a.m. Pacific Standard Time in Seattle. September the 4th, 2020. Take care of yourself, okay?